What's up? What's happening? Welcome here to Lacrosse Now. Travis Eldridge back with you. We have a gigantic show to get you ready for the PLL Championship game on Sunday. We have Josh Byrne from the Chaos, who will be playing in that championship game, joining us. Kobe Smith from Atlas gives us his thoughts on the matchup as well as sharing his thoughts from his rookie season in the PLL. And Ryan Drenner, who was part of uh, some of the original Whip Snakes teams, he will join us as well. He's part of the Cannons. He talks about the matchup a little bit, along with uh, what his season would look like, including some thoughts on what it was like playing with Lyle Thompson this year. So we will have uh, all three of those interviews coming up a little bit later in the show. But first, I want to start with some thoughts on this championship game because for some people, it's a surprise to get here. We have the seven-seed Chaos, who were the first team or the first team that did not get bumped out of the playoff picture. They finished seventh in the eight-team league. Only seven teams make the postseason. They were in, Cannons out, and they barely squeak into the playoffs, but they're in. And once you're in the tournament, that's all that matters. And the five-seed Water Dogs, now at times, especially in the middle of the season, the Water Dogs didn't look like the fifth-best team in the PLL, but that was what their record showed, and so they were the fifth seed going into the playoffs. But are we really surprised by this? Like, seriously, are we really surprised that these are the two teams playing in the championship game on Sunday? Because if you are surprised, let's go through who are on these teams. We'll start with the Water Dogs. I mean, think about these names. Michael Sowers, that at one point back in 2020 was considered one of the best players we've seen in college lacrosse. I mean, he was going to shatter records before that season was stopped. Zach Courier, who very well may be the best two-way guy in all of lacrosse, period. Kieran McCardle, who has done it both in the college game and professionally now for years. Dylan Ward, who is widely considered the, one of the best box goalies uh, we've seen here in recent memory and may be just the best all-around goalie, both field and box, period. And then you have Ryan Conrad, a former number one overall recruit, who started at Virginia and continues to showcase that I mean, in Virginia, in his, the last couple of years, he was as much of a ground ball type two-way midfielder as he was an offensive guy, and he continues to show that he can do both at the pro level as well. Then you have chaos. I mean, Josh Byrne, Dane Smith, Blaze Reardon, Mac O'Keefe, like the list goes on. Like these are star-studded rosters, and that, in part, is what you get when you only have an eight-team league and the depth of talent is as good as I think we've ever seen it in professional lacrosse. So. There's parity in that. So having the fifth team and the seventh team in the standings meet for the championship is not that big of a surprise. So are we really surprised that this is the matchup? Well, if there is a surprise for me, it's that despite these star-studded rosters, the Archers, who were in the semifinals and just lost to the Chaos, are not in this championship game. They lose 9-7 in the semifinals this weekend. And I want to talk a little bit about the Archers here because... Before we get to my championship pick, which I will make in a second, I just it just felt like everything should have worked out for the Archers to win a title. Like things played out the way they seemed like they were supposed to. It broke down. You're playing the seventh seed in the semifinals. But they scored two goals in the first half against Chaos. Only seven period. I mean, look at this. We've been saying this since the beginning of the year for Archers, and it, it just they just didn't show up. Grand Amen. One assist in the semifinal. Tom Schreiber shot one for nine. Will Manny shot 0 for five. Matt Moore, Marcus Holman, Connor Fields, they all got theirs, but none of them went off. Adam Gittleman did his part in this semifinal game. He made 11 stops and stopped 55% of the shots he saw. 
if you were to tell me before the game that archers were going to give up nine goals to that talented chaos group, I would have probably told you I still would have liked the archers to win because this offense, Amen, Schreiber, Manny, Moore, Holman, Fields, Trey LeClaire, like the list continues that they should be able to score more than nine goals in a game, and they didn't. And so chaos deserved to find their way into this championship game, despite being the seventh seed, despite the fact that until this playoff run, they hadn't won two consecutive games all year. But they deserve to be here because of what they did with the Archers. But it just continues to have me shake my head. I just don't understand how this group didn't get it done. And I point to one position in particular. It's, the, it's really the position where they've struggled from the beginning that this league, that from the start when this team was created, the beginning of the PLL. It's the faceoff X. How you can have all of that talent on offense and then you still and you get good performances from Gittleman defensively and the pieces on defense are strong. How you can have all of that and still not find a faceoff guy that it can at least win you 40 to 50 percent per game just continues to be mind boggling. There, there are guys that haven't played in professional lacrosse games here in the last couple of years that I feel like if you sign them up, might be able to go out there and try to and battle and try to win 50%. They don't need to be Trevor Baptiste. They don't even need to be Max Adler but, or Joan Ardella. Like, just be a guy who could go at 45 50%. And I feel like this team, at some point in the handful of years they've been around, could have found a way to, to win a championship or at least compete in a championship game. But here we are, another season. This Archers group is not in the championship and they are going to have to figure out how they keep this group together or what kind of things that they need to rearrange. Maybe they don't need as many weapons offensively. Maybe they just need to find a face-off guy. But that is the conversation for the offseason. As for this matchup, this has everything you want, water, dogs, and chaos. We're going to talk to Josh Byrne about this in a second. But one of the most interesting little tidbits of a storyline here that I don't think is being talked about enough is the fact that Water Dogs goalie Dylan Ward is the same guy who spoiled the end of the season for Chris Cloutier, Josh Byrne, and um, Dane Smith indoors. Dylan Ward was the Colorado Mammoth goalie who stood on his head in the NLL finals and helped Colorado knock off Buffalo in that three-game series. Now, it's a whole Similar group of guys for chaos once again against Dylan Ward in goal for water dogs. That is just, we talk about it with Josh Byrne here in a second, and you're going to want to listen to him talk about it because sometimes there are players that downplay those kinds of moments and situations. He did not. And I think that tells you everything you need to know about what this means for a second time around here in the same calendar year to be able to face kind of like an arch nemesis type guy in a championship game. So I'm uh, really looking forward to that. As for the Water Dogs, it's not a huge surprise that they're here because they had already beaten the Whip Snakes this year. They, had, they were the only team that had proven to be able to beat them. And you look at this Whip Snakes team that came up just short on finding a way to get back to get another championship game. This team didn't feel like the team that had been in all those championship games before now they had the best record in the league they only lost once in the regular season but they had to find kind of unique ways to win just about every week and at some point like 
You think back at I, I think back the Florida State team, the football team that at Jameis Winston, they win the national championship uh, the, the one year with Jameis. And then he comes back the next year. I believe it was 2016, maybe when they came back. And Florida State was in the top handful of the national rankings all year long. But it was by like smoke and mirrors. They're winning in overtime. They're winning on last second field goals. They're they're finding random ways to beat teams that they probably should be more talented than. But they they're just it's going down to the wire. And that's how I felt about the Whip Snakes all year long. Like they would dig themselves into an early hole. They'd find a way back in the second half, and that's great. But at some point, you have to be able to just win because you look impressive and better than the team on the other side and I just didn't feel like that was the same this year for the whips as it had been in the last couple of years and so it finally caught up to them water dogs get the best of them and uh, I really like this water dogs team between Sowers and McCardle uh, as part of this offense uh, Ryan Conrad had a, an awesome goal where he like showed you why he was at one point one of the top ranked uh, recruits in the country and was such a great player in college because of his ability to just beat a matchup and having a midfielder like that I, I think is instrumental to them uh, being there and uh, and I, Zach Courier you just watch him in every aspect of the field whether it's wings and face-offs ground balls cause turnovers playing short stick D-Midi going on offense and making plays that very few guys in the world can make Watching him up and down, like if you're in person and not watching on TV, but you can just watch him, just watch him for a couple of runs up and down and see all the little things. It's a better team. So I really like this team, which leads me to my pick. And on Sunday, I think it's going to be the water dogs spoiling the party for chaos. I like them 10 to 9. And here's why. It's the same thing I mentioned with, with Josh Byrne and the Dylan Ward factor. I think Dylan Ward is a unbelievable goalie. He is starting to, to play. He has been playing incredible lacrosse since he was in the box game when he had an, an unbelievable playoff run for Colorado. It's one of the primary reasons the Mammoth won the uh, NLL finals this year. And I think he continues that against a bunch of shooters that he knows really well. Now, it's a different aspect like it's a different type of playing goalie playing box goalie and playing goalie in the field game it's different but I think him knowing these shooters so well and having faced them so often will be a good thing for the water dogs going to give that because of that I'm going to give them a slight edge in this one so I like water dogs 10 to 9 to knock off chaos but I think it's going to be a great game hopefully uh, if you're around Philadelphia or you're making a trip hopefully you enjoy a uh, terrific atmosphere in Philadelphia for this championship game uh, and uh, if you're not watch it ABC 3 p.m. Eastern time for that PLL championship so that's my pick but on the other side I mean I can 100% see how chaos does this because they've done it back-to-back -back weeks they dominated Chrome and took down a very talented archers team so they're back here in the championship game now for a third year in a row lost one one last year looking to make it two straight one of the guys that was part of that team last year, Josh Byrne, had a chance to catch up with him before Sunday's title. So somebody that's going to be playing for that championship game again in Philadelphia this weekend is Josh Byrne from Chaos. Uh, Josh, this is uh, just what you guys drew up. Struggle in the regular season, figure it out just in time, and now you guys are back in the championship game, right? Yeah, man. I mean, at the end of the day, it's... Uh... It's, it's really about when you peak, and um, I think we're peaking at the right time.
another championship run. Like, sum up, how did you guys get here? Like, what clicked? You know what? It's it's really hard to put a finger on just one thing. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that kind of went wrong for us in the beginning. Um, and I wouldn't even say went wrong, but it just took a little while for us to really get our groove. Uh, you know, the first three games, we don't even have, I want to say, seven of our guys there. Um, and then when we get there, you know, you're coming fresh off of a, you know, a heartbreaking championship loss um, with the Bandits. And, um, you know, it's hard to emotionally be there um, after such a, a crazy run like that. Um, but, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's just trying to find the right connections, um, trying to tinker with little things and um, finding what works. And, you know, we didn't really have training camp to be able to do that. Um, which most teams were able to do. Um, so, you know, we were kind of grinding it out and trying to figure things out on the fly. And unfortunately, that's in game scenarios and it doesn't always look too pretty. So uh, once you start to figure each other out for the last couple of weeks, it's been a lot of fun. I'm glad you hit on like the emotional part of it because that's so hard. Like it's human nature. You go through the grind of a postseason, especially like what you guys go through in the NLL when you're talking about series. You go to the final game of the NLL finals, the chance to win, you lose in heartbreaking fashion, like to then go and just be in like the middle of a regular season and it's just standard regular season game in the PLL, like not to downplay it, but it just feels different than what you guys just did. How, how hard is that transition on top of the fact that you got to like transition back to field lacrosse too? It, it's extremely difficult. You know, like it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you put so much into the entire season playing for playing for the bandits and, you know, you, you work your ass off until to get to this goal and that's to win a championship and it's seven or eight month long season. And you're so close to, you know, bringing Buffalo a championship and, you know, it's ripped away from you at home in front of 19,000 fans. It's just so hard to wrap your head around. Um, and then to try to, change gears and find a new stick right get into a bunch of different equipment get used to wearing a you know a cascade bucket now um there's there's so many different things um and and that's just the physical aspect of, of playing field across that i mean not to even mention some of the, the little nuances of, of playing the field game you know running into guys with six foot long poles in their hands is is one of them um so you know, it took us a little while to, to kind of get back into the groove and to figure it out. But um, I, I think we're hitting our stride here. You mentioned like the physical toll too. Like, where's your body at? You've been playing for like a year straight. If you go back to last year's title run, because you went right into an indoor season and you got sixes you threw in there. Like, where's your body at? Yeah, I think it's been like almost 14 months. We've just been going. Um my, my body feels great, man. I can't complain. Um, we, do, we do a pretty good job here at, you know, um, taking advantage of just the opportunities that allow us to, to really try to recover as best as possible. Um, obviously, when you're going through a 14-month season, you got to really put emphasis on, on recovery, um, nutrition especially, um, and, and, and stretching. Uh, those are the, the, the really the three key things that we got to make sure that we have to do. And uh, we've got a pretty good uh, support cast here to, to help us with that. So we mentioned the NLL finals loss and in goal for Colorado was Dylan Ward in goal for the water dogs this weekend 
will be Dylan Ward. What is it like to face him now in another championship game, this time on the field? You know, man, um, a lot of times when you have, especially when you lose in a championship, you you were just itching for a second chance. And, and at the end of the day, you don't normally get that. And for us to be able to have a second chance um, in this championship is something that I'm looking forward to. And, and I think all of us are um, kind of just very excited about. So give me the scout on him, both as an indoor goalie and a, as a field goalie. Oh, the scout on Wardo, it's uh, it's pretty simple, really. You know, high arc, no matter if it's six by six or a four by four, um, and uh, he, he's he's an incredible, he's incredibly good at reading shots and um, and kind of seeing them as as they come. So he's a uh, he's a really good goalie, and, and it's going to be a challenge this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, speaking of good goalies, you guys have one, too, on, on your back end in, in Blaze Reardon. It, what, what's it like when you see, like, playoff Blaze kick into gear? Because what he's done in now back-to-back postseasons is, like, almost unheard of. Yeah, I mean, listen, <laughs> it's a totally different ball game. Um, looking into his eyes before before the game and, you know, just during it as well. Like, he's just... He goes to a different place um, where I don't I don't even know what he does or how he does it, um, but he goes into a certain zone where I don't know if he just doesn't feel pain or or, or what the deal is. But um, he's he's easily the best player in the PLL, and and he's shown it again this year as well. So um, the, listen, we if if Blaze Reard isn't our goalie. We're we're not we're not two and eight we're we're zero and ten so, um, it, we're extremely lucky to have him between the pipes. Yeah, I mean, and that's got to be such a momentum boost too. Like you see him make a couple of saves early, and you guys know you score. Like those are backbreaking goals, especially when the other team's getting stoned at the other end on shots that they normally score on. Yeah, I mean, and and it's it's actually it's kind of funny because you can you can actually see like their bench and like the players on their team go like, how, how did that not go in the net? And I'm sitting there. I'm like, yes, yes. I love that. Let's go down, down another way. We need to make a, make something happen here just to really kind of make a two goal swing happen. So now he's a, listen, when, when he's, he's between the pipes, it it allows you to take a couple more chances on the offensive end. And, you know, our defense might not like that sometimes, but um at the end of the day, we uh, I think we do a good job complimenting each other. You've played for some like intense coaches throughout your career. Like I think is Seth Tierney, like on the sidelines, your your college coach at Hofstra is like one of the more intense guys you, you'll ever see in a sideline. And Andy Towers just takes it to a whole nother level. Compare playing for those two. Like who's more in your face when it comes to locker room and sideline? You know what? It's tough um, because. They're both extremely intense, but in different ways. Um, Tyranny's not afraid to get after you. Uh, he, he's he's not afraid to to come after you big time and um, and make sure that you know he, like he like he he has to make sure that at the end of the day, like if he's upset with you, you you're gonna know. <laughs> like he's not he's not afraid of that at all. Um, which which I loved personally. I I loved that because when I was 
wasn't playing my best or um, maybe just being a little bit soft, he would keep it real with me. And, and I needed that, especially um, at a younger age. Um, AT is just, he's just, he just is, he's a ball of energy. Um, you know, he's, he's someone that at the end of the day, you just want to run through a brick wall through because he's just so fired up in the things that he comes up with. Um, it's just so creative and half the time you don't know if it's true or not. Um, and, and, and also don't get me wrong. Coach T had some really good pregame speeches as well. If we had cameras inside that hostel locker room, man, there, there would be, I swear there might be a 30 for 30 on it. Cause it, it, there, it was hilarious. Some of the stuff that he would come up with as well. And, and same thing, you'd be ready to run through a brick wall. So, um, I've been extremely fortunate being coached by both of those two guys um, and still being able to, uh, you know, see Seth um, on, on the day-to-day throughout the weekends and stuff. And, you know, just he was someone that was always more of a father figure to me. And um, I trust him with a lot of the decisions that I make in life in general. So, um, yeah, extremely fortunate. Yeah, I think one of my favorite moments we've had at LSM, we mic'd him up for one of the semifinals uh, in, in in the CAA tournament. And he and Coach Greg Canella are getting together, and Canella warns him, like, hey, don't curse, I got the mic on. And Tierney just lets out a string of expletives just to make his point. He's like, I am me, and this is it. Yeah, 100%. And he's... Uh, he, he had he has some of the best one-liners in history. Like I, I wish I could pull some out, but there's so many of them that I was just literally cracking up at at all times. Like there there'd be times where um, I'd be on the field and the ball would be in the other end, and and he'd be saying something to someone, and I would just be laughing so hard because he's just so creative in the way that that he speaks. So. Um, yeah, again, man, extremely fortunate to play for both of those guys. Yeah, and he says it with straight face, too, so sometimes it takes you a second <laughs> to realize it, and then you go, wow, that was hilarious. Yeah, in- incredible. Yeah. Uh, give me your favorite uh, Andy Towers quote. There, again, there, there's so many <laughs> of them. Um, the, pro- <laughs> the one last year in playoffs where he's talking about, you know, the, the bully – um at his high school or something and uh I, I think it was atlas we were going to atlas or something about like when whenever we saw each other next we both know what was going down <laughs> and it was just it was absolutely incredible i'm not doing it justice but um yeah there's there, there's definitely a, a few good ones in there it's like i don't know where it keeps pulling them out from um but he seems to to save them all for the right moments so no it's uh it's awesome between like the offensive pieces you guys have, I feel like you guys have all been like joined together for like this whole run. I mean, you and Dane Smith, you go from playing with the Bandits to candidate for sixes. Now we're the chaos. Like, do you and Dane ever get sick of each other? Like, is there ever any issues? Like, you spent all the time together. You know what? Um, su- surprisingly, there's there's been. Very, I mean, honestly, I could probably count on one time, or I could probably count on one hand the amount of times that that we've actually um, gone after each other hard or disagreed on something. Um, I, I think we're we're both pretty easygoing um, in general, and, and really don't take a whole lot too seriously, um, which I think helps. 
Um, and I think we both just have like a genuine respect and love for each other where um, we, we both want to see each other be successful. Um, and, and, you know, when, when you celebrate each other's success, it, it makes it really easy to, to go out there and ball and, and have a good time. All right. Uh, you guys, obviously, you were able to get a little maybe redemption winning sixes uh, following the NLL finals. But what would a championship with chaos here for the second straight year mean to this group? You know, it, it would be incredible. Um, we've been to the championship for, for three straight years now. Um, you know, this group has been through so much uh, emotionally. You know, um, I want to say within the last three regular seasons, it's it's been some really tough times, right? It's been extremely frustrating. Um, so to be able to come together as a group, and, you know, pull off something that not a lot of people believe that we could um, is just something that's extremely special. And um, I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll remember for the rest of our lives. For sure. Well, uh, Josh, we can't wait to see you guys uh, in action again. Championship game Sunday afternoon down in Philadelphia. Good luck. Safe travels. Uh, we'll be watching. And thanks so much again for the time. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Man. Big thank you to Josh for taking some time. In the week leading up to a championship game, uh, some great stories about Seth Tierney and Andy Towers. So hopefully you enjoyed that. Uh, we're going to throw to two more interviews now. We've got both Kobe Smith and Ryan Drenner joining us. Kobe, of course, coming off his rookie season with Atlas coming out of Towson. Ryan Drenner, another Towson guy, just finished a, another professional season with the Cannons. So we're going to throw to both those interviews. We break down a little bit of the PLL championship game with both of them. So if you want to get their thoughts on what both these teams are going to look like on Sunday, stay tuned for that. We also talk a lot about their careers and where they are now. So enjoy both those interviews. First up, Kobe Smith and then Ryan Dreyer. So now a member of the Atlas, Kobe Smith, joins us to break down his first year as a professional. Uh, Kobe, for you, what, what was the transition like going from Towson to pro lacrosse this year? Yeah, I mean, it was crazy for me. Um, personally, like the talent level just between the college and pro lacrosse games is something that you never really expected to see um, with how high level everybody is now in college. Um, but the game is so much faster. Uh, the field's a little bit shorter. Um, but again, like the players are just all ridiculous. Being able to match up with guys like Matt Rambo, Colin Heacock, um, Dane Smith, all those guys, and then being able to play with guys like Trevor Baptiste, Brian Costabile, Romar Dennis, all those good dudes, like it's just something that I never really would have guessed but would have been possible for me. Um, but like I had an absolute blast this summer. So so what was your welcome to the league moment? Ooh, my welcome to the league moment um, was actually in Minnesota. I picked up a ground ball, thought I was away with it, and then got taken right off my feet. Um, something I'm definitely not used to, but it was, it was a good experience, and I'm glad that it all happened and and I'm working out for the best, so I can't really complain about it. Wait, who took you out? I mean, you're used to being one of the tougher guys on the field. Who took you out? Yeah, no, it was kind of like a sandwich. Um, okay. It was Anderson and um, oh, who was the other guy? I can't remember the other guy, but I got hit one from the side and then one from the back. <laughs> nice little tumble. Got put on the PLL Instagram. Felt pretty good, but it is what it is. Yeah, you know – Anytime you get some social media clout, any out of content, you know, whether it's good, bad, it still gets the name out there. You mentioned some of the guys that you've had a chance to guard here in the league. Like who, who was the guy that 
you're like, man, I can't believe I'm going up against him now because you watched him in college or coming up. Yeah, no, that happened week one with me, um, with Miles Jones. I mean, obviously, he's such a great talent coming out of Duke and having such a great career so far in the PLL and the uh, MLL and that kind of stuff. I don't know, but seeing a guy that stature kind of running straight downfield at you, I mean, that was kind of something that was surreal to me. Um, never really thought I would have had a chance to guard him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that would probably be the biggest one for me. Yeah, that's legit. And, you know, like Miles Jones, he just <laughs> – he. They, you know, they say built different. He is built different than just about every other lacrosse player. Like you want for people. I don't even know if it comes across on TV if you haven't seen him in person. But like you, you're right. You could be as big as you are. And it's still like miles coming down here. You're like, man, I'm getting out of the way. Yeah, no, no parts of it. <laughs> uh, what did you learn the most from your first year as a, as a pro lacrosse player that maybe you picked up since having played in the college game? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is you got to kind of take that next step a lot quicker. Regs right? end of the day, obviously, we're getting one practice in uh, the day before, and then we're getting the shoot around in, um, and then a game, right? So you're not, you obviously have that entire week to kind of think about what that next step is moving into the next game or the playoffs or whatever that is. Um, but you don't really have time to linger and think about all of the mistakes you made or any problems that you did or any of the successes you had. You kind of just got to move on to that next game, focus on the next step, and hopefully everything moves forward from there. You know, we uh, have talked a lot uh, throughout your college career at Towson about all the number one attackmen you had gone up against, whether it was a Pat Spencer or a Jeff Teed or just go down the line. I mean, you guys at Towson played, I think, like every great attackman over the course of your <laughs> career that we've seen here in the last four or five years. How did that help you knowing that, like, you're going up against some of these guys now professionally and it's like you're on the same level again? Yeah. No, I mean, it's definitely super cool. I mean, obviously, I'm getting to play with guys like Jeff Teat, who I guarded back in college, um, and being able to see him practice throughout the day and all that kind of good stuff. I mean, it's just crazy and astonishing at how good those guys are. Um, but being back on the same field and being able to guard those number one guys, um, whether it be attackmen or middies or whatever that is, um, is really a big honor for me. Um, simply just being able to – the fact of being able to step on the field with them uh, and kind of give it everything I got definitely means a ton to me. So, I mean, something that's super special. I mean, how good is it to have Jeff Teed on your side now? Because I, I don't know if I'd want to try to defend him. Yeah, no, no. I mean, actually, the first thing I said to him was, like, thank God you're on my team now. I don't have to guard you anymore. <laughs> he's just, like, he looks – It's not. he's not some big imposing – like, he's the opposite of Miles Jones. He walks onto the field right. and he looks like anybody else that's just coming off the street, and then he makes these moves that just makes defenders look yeah. silly. Yeah, no, nah, it's ridiculous. I mean, the dude's a wizard with his stick. Um, but I think that also that helps with the box background, that kind of stuff. And those dudes up in Canada obviously know what they're doing when it comes to a lacrosse stick. And uh, congrats to them for just winning that sixes too. Um, but, I mean, yeah, like those guys are honestly all astonishing. I love being able to watch and play with all of them. I have to think that the adjustment from college to pro – because you knew the head coach had to help. I mean, you played for Ben Rubier back in high school. Now you play for him professionally. That's got to be almost kind of weird. Like, it's, you think you, you say goodbye to your high school coach, and it's a different time in your life and your career, and now you step onto a pro field, and it's the same guy. What was that like? No, it was really cool. Um, it was definitely an experience that you obviously don't really get to see within pro sports. Um, but I think it's also a lot different, too. I mean, I've been Coach Rubier was coaching me. I was between 14 and 17 years old. So I'm a little bit different of a person 
uh, now at 23 than I was back then. Um, but the same goes for him as well. Obviously, he's changed as a coach, um, and it's all happened for the better. And our season ended pretty uh, soon this year. But at the end of the day, can't complain. Got to move on to that next step and focus on next year. I was going to say, like, did, I'm, I'm assuming he coaches a little different now with pro guys <laughs> than he did in high school. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the biggest things that I've kind of seen. You get a lot more respect being a pro lacrosse player than what you would get when you're a little high schooler, freshman, sophomore, those kind of guys. Um, no, but it is definitely a ton different in terms of kind of just like that sheer coaching difference between high school and professional. I feel like Ben Rubier is probably one of my favorite coaches that's mic'd up uh, just because of like some of his sayings and some of the way, the way in which he says stuff. Like what's your favorite like Rubior saying, whether it's from high school or now professionally? Oof. I think the one thing that's always really stuck with me from Coach Rubes um, was in high school when he first came over from um, St. Mary's. The very first day of like, yeah, I don't remember if it was fall ball practices or if it was our first day of spring. Um, but he always said, as soon as you cross that line, there's no walking anymore. And that's kind of one thing that I've always kept in the back of my head whenever, like, stepping all across the field or um, coming from a timeout or whatever that is. That's just something I've always tried to carry with me. Yeah, that's uh, good. Good. You do that, and, like, you can make just about any team you want because you're hustling <laughs> like that. Like, it doesn't matter what level. That's a great lesson for kids, too. Show mm-hmm. that hustle. That's, that's uh, stuff that college coaches want to see and, and help you get recruited. Uh, you, we were talking about before your your uh, pro career, uh, your pro season here uh, for the Atlas is done, but you're getting ready for an NLL season for the first time. What's the gear up like for that as you're going to try to play some box here? Yeah, no, I definitely got to bulk up a little bit. Um, and some big boys over there, um, but I'm super excited. Obviously, uh, I get to stay a little bit closer to home with the Wings um, and hang out with them a little bit and get to know Philly a little bit more. Uh, which would be a little rough being a Giants fan, but it is what it is. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm super excited for it. Been in the gym, trying to hit the field, getting a short stick in my hand, which definitely feels a little weird. Um, but, no, I'm super excited for it, so we'll see where it goes. So what what is your box experience? Yeah, so I actually played a little bit in high school. Um, we had a league during the winter. Um, so I played that for roughly three years, uh, hanging out between um, our spring seasons and basketball, that kind of stuff, back in high school. Um, but besides that, not too much. So I definitely got a lot of learning to do. Um, and I'm super excited to kind of learn from the vets and see how the game goes. Here's a, here's a tip for somebody who grew up outside Philadelphia. <laughs> Just start saying, go birds. I know it'll kill you as a Giants fan, but it'll make you be, you will be a fan favorite immediately. Uh, I like Jalen Hurts, so I can't even complain. There we go. I, you mentioned being a Giants fan. What, what do you think of their week one win? It surprised some people. Did it surprise you? That's I was so excited. Um, I mean, that's definitely something that we don't get to see very often, especially not week one, right? Um, so now I'm super excited for them to see where it goes. Obviously, you got to keep the injuries to a minimum, um, but the sport of football, you never know anything that could happen. So wishing the best for them, and hopefully I can get them to be back in another Super Bowl. That'd be awesome. You know, we can, as Giants and Eagles fans, can bond over the fact that the Cowboys did not look good in week one. And that, that makes the rest of the NFC East very happy. Yeah, no, my family is not excited about that one. They're all Cowboys fans, so I think that's also what pushed me to be a Giants fan. Um, but, yeah, no more Dak for a couple of weeks, and I was a little rough, so I'm already heckling my brother about it, but can't really talk too much being in the NFC East. 
Yeah, now the division itself might be a bit of a mess, but it, it's, right. it's our mess, so we love it. Um, exactly. Let me leave you with this because uh, we're talking here ahead of the PLL championship game. Uh, you got Water Dogs and Chaos. I, I think some people saw Water Dogs coming. I certainly didn't see Chaos coming. How do you see things playing out, speaking of Philadelphia, in Philadelphia this weekend? Yeah, I mean, they're both great teams, and I don't think anyone actually ever really counted out Chaos. You never really can count them out as soon as they hit the playoffs. Um, but they're both great teams, um, but both very different, right? So obviously the Chaos have that home board box style, um, and then the Water Dogs want to run a little bit more in transition. So I'm actually pretty excited to see kind of how both teams play against each other um, to see how that battle goes. If I had to give you a score, I honestly couldn't tell you. Um, and honestly, it all depends on what happens later that day. I got a couple boys on the Water Dogs, so hopefully we can get them a ring or something. Um, but I'm definitely not counting out the chaos. So wishing both teams best of luck. Um, we'll see who comes out on top. You mentioned the Canadian style with chaos. It, how different is it from like anything you had seen teams do in whether it's the rest of the league professionally or in college? Yeah, no, it's definitely different. And I know a lot of those guys play box together on the chaos. Um, but that's the game style is just a lot different than outdoor. Um, they're very slick off ball. Um, the ball doesn't stay in their stick very, very often or very long. Um, and they're very good at like skipping through lanes and that kind of stuff. Um, so that's something just a little different from the obvious college ball that you get back here, the high schools like the MIA and that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I'm super excited to see kind of what they do this weekend. I mean, is it really just like the adjustment of having to be aware of them throwing a pass that like just most people like when that you're used to playing, like wouldn't make is that is that like the biggest transition yeah yeah, yeah. i mean they definitely keep on your toes at all points of times regardless of whether you're on ball or off ball when you're on ball you got to be in their hands or else you're gonna be able to shoot or feed it very quickly and then if you're off ball you better be in their than their chest or stomach because they can catch it with an inch of space so and they're all super talented yeah, uh, it should be an entertaining one uh, for the PLL Championship this weekend. Uh, Kobe, it was fun to see you uh, on the, the pro lacrosse field this summer. We obviously loved watching you here on LSN at Towson through all those years. So we appreciate the time. We'll catch up uh, sometime soon. Good luck as you get ready for training camp indoors. Thank you. Much appreciated. I had a blast talking to you. Joined now by Cannon's uh, midfielder, attackman, kind of you name it now, Ryan Drenner. Uh, Ryan, uh, Thanks for joining us. First off, I, sum up this year for you in, in pro lacrosse. Obviously a tough one for you guys, the team. How do you sum it up? Um, I mean, I'm grateful for every opportunity uh, that I'm able to play the game and, and to share it with a bunch of great guys uh, makes it even better. Um, I think looking back on the season, we always talked about just resiliency. Um, and so, Something I can take away from the season was that, you know, we have a great group of guys, uh, leaders and coaches, uh, other players that are resilient. And, um, you know, regardless of the outcome, you, you love being around the guys. And so um, that's what I take away from this season. Uh, and, and again, the resiliency, it continues throughout the offseason here. Um, you know, even watching the, the last few weekends of the playoffs here, just already starting that hunger for next year. Um, and to know that I, there, there's a group of guys in that locker room um, that you can lose with and still enjoy your time together, um, I think that's what fuels us to, to get some wins next season. <laughs> yeah, that, that says a lot about a locker room makeup. If you guys can lose and still enjoy be, uh, being around each other all the time. Uh, one of those great teammates, obviously, is Lyle Thompson. What's it, what's it been like? 
for you as a player to play with him? Uh, it's been fantastic, you know, uh, watching him as a young player. Um, when I was a young player. I was watching him. I've always been a huge fan of his. And so to be able to share the field and, um, you know, learn from him uh, is a huge honor and something that obviously I'm not going to take for granted. Um, and so, you know, every time we share the field, always trying to, you know, whether it's something that he does on the field, off the field, always trying to pick some things up from him. Um, and again, he's a great leader that, um, you know, again, I'm looking forward to getting back out on the field. You know, it can't come soon enough. I mean, I, anybody I talk to about playing with Lyle, it feels like it, he's just so different in some of the things that he sees and what he can do with the ball. Like, what's the adjustment like to playing with a guy like that, even compared to like you've played with some great attackmen throughout your, your pro career, but he's just different than anybody else I think we've seen in the sport. He is. He's so unique. And I think, um, you know, he's an even better human than he is a player. Um, and so I think that's what makes him so likable and, and so easy to get along with uh, out on the field. But uh, it, it's an adjustment for sure. I remember at training camp um, the first year with the Cannons, uh, you know, the ball got to his stick and, and we weren't very really moving all that much. And I think a lot of it is you just want to kind of watch him to see what he does. Um, and so, you know, for me in my role, um, you know, to be alert at all times, right? Because he's going to find you whenever you're open. And so you got to continue to work to get open, to, you know, work to get your teammates open, and, um, and, and he'll find you when you're open. Yeah, always have that stick ready, right? And you, just, you just never know. Absolutely. <laughs> he, you may not think you're open, but he'll, he'll find a way to make you open. Uh, you, uh, where, like, where do you feel like your game is at? Obviously, you played a couple years at the launch toward the end of the MLL. You, you come in, you play with the Whip Snakes, now with the Cannons. Where's your game at, just you individually now, a uh, handful of years into your pro career? Yeah, I feel like I, I definitely have a lot, a lot of gas left in the tank. Um, I've already, con uh, you know, continued training throughout the, the season to, to stay prepared, but um, have already started in my off-season training and, and I'm ready to get back out there. Um, you know, every year and every team, I've you know, been on a lot of teams, you always have to find your role in the team. Um, you know, team sports are special because it's not just one person going out there and, and making the difference uh, in the game. And so, um, you know, throughout this the next few months here is just communicating with, my coaches of what they expect from me and, and uh, communicating as a team, um, you know, using the time to uh, get better as a team over this off season. Um, but then to figure out my role as quick as I can uh, next year at training camp and, um, and make a difference so that we can get a, a few more wins in the win column next season. Uh, well, I, I know part of your training is still having a chance to coach the game, and we'll get to uh, you being at York here in a minute, but I do want to get your thoughts on the PLL championship because we're taping the week of PLL champion, the championship game. You got uh, the surprising chaos against the Water Dogs. How do you break down this matchup? Uh, it's a tough one. It's going to be a tough game. I mean, all games in the PLL are, and, and with everything on the line in the championship game, it's going to be even more uh, tight of a race. Um, it's good to see, uh, you know, new faces in the Water Dogs getting into the championship. Um, you know, I'm not going to choose a side one way or the other. I think it's going to be a really exciting game for fans, and uh, it'll be an awesome game to play in for, the, for those two teams. You guys played the Water Dogs uh, this year. Actually, well, you beat them in, in the opener. What, 
What has stood out to you, I guess, uh, from you being an offensive perspective, what stands out about that defense that has made, allowed them to go on a run here in the, the, the latter stages of the season? Yeah, I mean, all, all their guys are athletic. Um, they're all pretty much cover guys that can also play well off ball. Um, I think Liam Burns does a really good job communicating um, and, and kind of or orchestrating that defense that they're all long, rangy, athletic, um, so they can cover up a lot of space, especially when the field gets shrunk, you know, inside of the two-point arc. Um, there's not a, lot of, not a lot of green space for the offense to work in there on those guys. Then on the other side, shooting against Blaze. In the last couple of years, has it actually – because it looks like it's been really hard for offensive players. Has it been that hard? Has he been that good? He has, yeah. And, um, you know – is an excellent goalie. It's frustrating to shoot against them at times, uh, but it's fun, right? Like that's the competition of sport um, is, you know, you break it down to the one-on-one -on -one matchup of me trying to put the ball past you. Um, and, uh, you know, Blaze does an excellent job at saving the ball and, you know, orchestrating the defense, just everything about that position, uh, you know, he, he does very well. Um, so do a lot of the goalies. And so, you know, week to week, you know, you know when you're playing against Blaze for sure. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to go out there and, and shoot the best shot. Yeah, I mean, look, that that position I think is one of the hardest in sports, lacrosse goalie, especially at the professional level. He's made it look easy, like at times in these playoff runs. It's it's pretty incredible to watch. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of what's frustrating about it, is yeah. like how easy he makes it look. Yeah, you're like what this these guys, you, know, you guys are shooting 90, 100 miles an hour at him, and like unless you have a couple of patch, passes, it feels like he's locked in. Yep. All right. Let's talk about your coaching. Uh, you're, you're working here at Division Three York again. Uh, you're getting ready for the, for the start of fall ball. Uh, what's it been like to coach at, at that that program, which really has been elevated over the last handful of years? What's it been like to, to be part of that coaching staff? It's been an unbelievable experience. Um, I started at York the first year out of college. Um, and so that's really been the, the majority of my coaching experience is alongside Coach Childs and the rest of the York staff. Um, I've had a, a four-year gap in between years, so this will be my third year, second consecutive year at York, um, and it's just been an awesome experience. Got to learn a lot about, um, you know, coaching and and uh, development, culture of a team. Um, I'm just soaking in as much as I can, learning from Coach Childs, and uh, and love making relationships with the guys on the team. Um, you know, help them find the love of the journey of, you know, the extra work and all that. And, uh, and then, you know, at the end of the day, getting to watch them on Saturdays and Wednesdays, um, put it to the test. Oh, and I know your, your son is starting to get to the age where like, you can actually coach him. What's it like to have him with a lacrosse stick in his hands now, like running around playing his own game? Yeah. I try to stay away from coaching <laughs> him too much. Uh, still, I, I don't want to turn him off on it. Um, uh, but it's been a lot of fun. I, I, he came out to a couple camps with me this year, uh, this summer, and, you know, threw the pads on. It was really cool to, uh, to see him in the pads. And he likes wearing them all, you know, because he feels like a, a, the Michelin man. <laughs> um, so it's been awesome to see him uh, with a stick in his hands and having fun with it. Uh, but I'm not going not gonna to coach him on it too, too much, too, uh, too young. He, he does. He surprised me with how well he, he picks it up and gets it right by his collarbone and ready to make passes. Um, you know, I, I'm just glad to see him have a stick in his hands and uh, really anything to stay away from all the screens that uh, that kids are accessible to nowadays.
That's true. Yeah, if you're on the screen, like, you know, when dad's playing on TV, he can watch and then go to the backyard, imitate what he and the, the rest of his teammates are doing, right? Yep, that's the recipe. <laughs> Uh, Ryan, we appreciate the time, man. Uh, congrats uh, on another pro uh, season. We can't wait to see you back out there uh, with the Cannons next year. And uh, good luck as you guys hit this, the field for uh, fall ball in York, all right? Thank you very much. I appreciate it. That's all the time we have this week for lacrosse. Now, big thanks to Josh, Kobe, and Ryan for joining us. we got some uh, terrific guests lined up for next week, including Thomas McConvey, the number one overall pick in the NLL draft. He will join us. He's now in his grad year at UVA after spending four seasons at Vermont. So we talk a little bit of Vermont. Virginia being the first overall pick by the Rochester Nighthawks. Thomas McConvey joins us next, next week, as does Towson head coach Sean Nadalin, giving us a little fall ball feel for the Tigers as uh, they are, uh, are, are coming off um, a, a season where uh, they lost in the championship game of the CAA title, but they got back to that CAA tournament after having missed it the year prior. So uh, Thomas McConvey, Sean Nadalin join us next, next week. Make sure you stay locked in for that. But for now... Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you later.